Fairy tales at the Astro Dome. I dropped out of TSU. Where did I go wrong? Fake diamonds on my neck. I had my mind on chrome. Egg easy number one. Baby mama back home. I thought, bless her heart. It wasn't her fault. She had got caught up in the Texas two step. I lost. I fell. I cried. Then got right back on my feet. It didn't take long to overcome with all my dreams in my reach. The house burned. The spouse Welcome burned. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. 512 Friday. Play jams from local bands and artists you can catch right here in the ATX. Very talented people. Who we jamming right now, Patrick? This is DZ Brown, and he is playing tonight at Miller Lake Park. Nice. I think I heard a TSU reference in there somewhere yeah. randomly. Man, okay. Yeah, used to H-Town. Showing some love to H-Town there. Happy Veterans Day to all the vets out there. Uh, we love you guys, and we really appreciate everything that you've done. Freedom ain't free. We know that. Uh, and you guys, courageous and brave enough uh, to sacrifice and commit so that we all can live these great lives. So we really appreciate all the veterans out there. Uh, tell the veterans in your life, or tell the ones that uh, are in your life in any way or this around you, period, uh, that you meet. Tell them thank you uh, and tell how much you appreciate them on Veterans Day. Day. All right, let's get to uh, Texas TCU breakdown. I saw this little factor and I wanted to share it with you guys to show you how um, really just how this matchup between Texas and TCU, how weird and strange it is that Texas is favored by a touchdown plus over an undefeated team. <laughs> um, it's just rare. Top five team, number 14. How rare is it? How about this? Going back to 1978, there have been no instances of a top five team being more than a six and a half point underdog against a team outside of the top 10. I'll repeat, in case you didn't hear it. Since 1978, there have been no instances of a top five team being more than a six and a half point favorite. 65 point underdog, excuse me, against a team outside of the top 10. TCU is currently number four, and they are a seven to a seven and a half point uh, dog, depending on which book you're looking at. And I went a little bit deeper um, and found out since 1979, there have been six instances of a team with at least three losses being favored over a team 9-0 and or better in the regular season. None of the six favorites were favored by more than a field goal. So mm. this matchup between Texas and TCU uh, marks the biggest a three-loss team has been favored over a 9-0 or better team in my lifetime. Man, when you start putting it in that perspective and you look at how this game is matched up and the fact that Texas mm. is the favorite, what do you equate it to? Uh, well, it, I think, first of all, Vegas doesn't give a damn about right. you know, who's favorite or right, not. Right. They, Vegas is really worried about trying to put the line somewhere where they could incentivize people yeah. to yep. bet money. Yep. They know the Longhorns are one of the Kool-Aid drinking his fan bases in America. All we need is a little positivity, and we'll drink that Kool-Aid. <laughs> so even though that's a huge line, and you can see a lot of betters, professional betters, probably staying away from it are taking the TCU side because they're saying, yeah, Texas could win the game, of course, but that's a huge line. It's a big number and for an undefeated team going into you know DKR Stadium. So I just think that Vegas put, is putting that line where they think Longhorn fans are going to eat it up, and they are eating it up. And in some of the money, the money is coming in on Texas anyway, yeah. which so, is also feeding that line. So here's two of those numbers that we were just talking about. You know, TCU obviously nine and zero. They're seven one and one against the spread, which is second best in the FBS right now. Yeah. Texas, since Sark has taken over at the University of Texas, is eight and three 
against the spread at home. It's not bad. So th- th- this something's got to give in this situation yeah, right here. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. I don't know what a smart money is. <laughs> I, I'm just we're just giving you the facts. Yeah, we're you, just giving you what's you, out there. You decide where the smart money is or where to put your money. Put your money where your mouth For sure. is. Uh, but no, I, I I think it's going to be a matchup that comes down to the fourth quarter. So come down to one or two last possessions of the game. That is what I'm really excited about. One thing that is you know troubling though for Texas, and we were just talking about this in your harsh knock life. So we we're talking about Quinn Ewers. It's really good discussion. Uh, between uh, you, uh, myself, and Patrick about Quinn. You're just our observations about Quinn and how much he's been struggling. And, yes, since that, really, since that Oklahoma game, and I know he had a an awesome performance in the Oklahoma game, and we were all kept thinking about the Alabama quarter. Uh, and between, the, between the Oklahoma game and the Alabama quarter, um, I think that's where all the expectations for Quinn Ewers probably got a little out of control. He did have great performances, but the expectations probably got a little out of control considering just a freshman, new system, and, you know, slow down, as Chris Rock would say. Uh, Since OU, he's only completing 50% of his passes um, for 229 passing yards per game and 6.5 yards per attempt. So things have slowed down. And one of the reasons, Hards, that things have slowed down uh, for Quinn and not really in his process, but just in terms of his uh, productivity and how prolific he is uh, throwing the football He's facing a lot of three high, Hello. three down defenses in the Big 12. The Big 12 loves these defenses. Uh, Oklahoma State runs concepts from the three high, three down. K-State last week, yep. concepts of the three high, three down. We know the Iowa State, they major in it. They have probably uh, popularized it more than any other uh, program in the country. And yes, TCU, because Sonny Dykes, smart man, when he came to the Big 12, he analyzed the conference, looked at the ecosystem and said, okay, best offense in this Big 12 the last few years has been Lincoln Riley's offense. I want to go get that. Got Lincoln Rice's little brother. He said the best defense. I know in the- you got the cheat code. Let me get it. it. Yeah. I know you got Lincoln's notes. I need them. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to pay you. But yep. I need Lincoln's notes and I need his offense. All yep. right, Garrett, bring it in here. And he said, what's been, and that, of course it's an air raid offense, what's been the most effective defense? Brought in the three high three down. Um, let Joe Gillespie run it. And that's Iowa State has really kind of not dominated the conference defensively, but they've been the most consistent and steadfast defense uh, over time. And it's because of that three high three down look. And what I've said about Quinn Ewers, one of the things that we're talking about his process and, you know, his progression and whether he's going through his progressions, uh, you know, with discipline as a quarterback or whether he's deciding to wing it to his favorite receiver or if Sarkis is deciding beforehand, hey, this is a play for this player. It's designed to go here, go here. Yep. We don't really know because we're not in Quinn's head and we're not in Sark's head. But I do believe that three high, three down defense, and I know this for a fact, he just hasn't seen it a lot. He's seen a lot this year uh, because he's been playing in the Big 12, and the Big 12 uses a lot of that three high concept, that three high system. But he didn't see a lot of it in high school, of course, because they just don't run a lot of it at the high school level. And even him, Patrick's mentioned, he's obviously had injuries this season, so it's not like he's consistently been able to practice and perform each week. That's been a little sporadic. And even Sark, going back to Sark's time mm-hmm. last season, and even going back to his time at Bama, he's had trouble with the three high, three down defense. Yep. I've talked about why that is. And I think for uh, for Quinn, when he's going through his progressions, they have natural you know, uh, man beaters and single high beaters and two high beaters, two high safety beaters. Uh, they got cover four beaters and cover three beaters and cover two beaters. <clears throat> and quarterbacks, this information, these concepts are pretty much ingrained Correct. Uh, in these spread babies as they go through the high school level because they proliferated the spread offense at the high school level. So they know all these things, but they don't know how they look against 
a three-high defense. And I think a lot of uh, Quinn's uh, inability to process quickly has probably been that he's faced a lot of these defenses lately, whether it's been Iowa State, whether it's been K-State, uh, where now you're looking at TCU. And, yes, it does have an effect. Sark's only averaging offense 26.5 points per game against three high, three-down defenses. Right, and that, I think that was going to be the biggest <laughs> issue right there because of what you just said. The fact of the matter is Sark has had problems with these offenses. So for him to be able to – dissect and give the information back to the quarterback where they can process it a lot quicker is probably been a lot different as well. So whenever, you you know, if your coach is having a tough time with it, I expect the player to have a tough time with it. Because, again, Quinn playing in, in the state of Texas, he didn't get the chance to see that a lot at all. No, he didn't. So, no. you know, there's nothing that he can revert back to to say, oh, I did this when I faced this type he of defense. He just needs mental reps. Now he's, he's getting the reps, yeah. and he's getting that opportunity now to to play at a high level. He's seen it three times now. Mm-hmm. This will be the third time that you're going to see it. So you should be able to find those little holes and trust the fact that your arm is going to get you there. But I also go back to the fact of what we said a little while ago. We've seen him throw it in a double and triple coverages, but we've also seen him not set himself to be able to execute that throw too because he believes in his arm so much that there's sometimes you got to be mm-hmm. able to adjust and take what the defense is giving you and not try to force feed it down the throats. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, that's and that's strangely enough, that's what three high, three down defense does, right? It it takes away the deeper routes, yes. gonna tape away, take away the vertical routes downfield and force you to beat them with the small game, with the quick game, uh, with the underneath throws, and they'll come up and rally and make those tackles. And also it for for Sark who by his uh, own admission, runs a RPO-based offense is what he calls it. It's hard uh, going up against the three-high, three-down defense. Obviously, the RPO is a truth that tells a lie, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a run and a pass at the same damn time, depending on what the defender does at and the, the look the defense gives. Yeah, right? Trust me, I say that because a defender is <laughs> yeah. just tough to stop. It's a truth that tells a lie. The three-high, three-high, three-down defense is also, for the opposing quarterback, it's a truth that tells a lie. You don't mm-hmm. really know exactly what coverage they're going to be in with the three-high, three-down. It distorts your pre-snap look. It distorts your pre-snap count, which also makes it tough for the RPO game because the RPO game is based on the count in the box and if the quarterback can't really decipher the count in the box and if they have the advantage or not sometimes he's off in his RPO read, he hands it off, and it's like, oh, they lure you into a, a false sense of security that you have the numbers advantage in the run game when you actually don't because they sling those run fits and they use a lot of different uh, alignments and leverage by the defenders to be able to help them out, to be able to what they call uh, basically going to defend more space with fewer defenders. They do it still, stealing gaps is what they call it, steal gaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you basically get a guy that can play multiple gaps for you depending on his alignment and also depending on what the RPO read of the quarterback is. So that's why I Three high, three high, three uh, three safety, three safety defense works really well against Sark's offense, but also it works really well against a young quarterback who's not right. used to seeing those looks. Yeah, that's the biggest yeah. challenge right there. But again, it goes back to what we were talking about. You, sometimes the challenges of the game is you understanding what they're giving you and what you should take, and that yeah. that goes back to Sark too. It's like quit being greedy. When you know that right now it's not hidden. We all know once it hits, it might just take off. And they start off. doing it. So you keep taking your shot, mm-hmm. not taking shots. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm I like saying? That. Yeah, yeah. Take your shot, but yeah. don't keep taking shots because like that. that's that's almost like a hard headed uh concept. You're mentally saying, No, I can do it. 
I can hit this ball over the water, mm-hmm. tin cup, <laughs> but you got to keep giving the ball back to him. Yep. Sometimes it's just take a little bit, play it smart, and then hit your home run shot. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's patience. For Sark, and Sark gets impatient, mm-hmm. um, and I, as a play caller, I would advise him to express and use a little more patience uh, in these situations because putting Bijan on is not a bad thing, <laughs> and Bijan will get your offense back on track. Even if Quinn Ewers is off or having a bad game or can't really figure out, decipher what the defense is trying to do against him, hey, Bijan can and Bijan will. Yeah. Uh, so I think you could all and, – and Texas face now – and this is why I think Sark may be figuring some things out against the three high defense. He's faced it three four, – four weeks in a row now. Not four weeks in a row because he had a bye week. So essentially – Four of the last game, your four last games have been against teams who major or minor in the three high, three down defense. You had K State, you had Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and then Oklahoma. We're Brent Venables. Yeah. And you scored 49 against Oklahoma. You scored 24 versus Iowa State, 34 and 34 versus Oklahoma State and K State. So I think you actually are scoring more points versus the three high, uh, three down defense than you were previously. So Sark's figuring some things out. Um, right. And actually, I, I went and took some notes. Maybe I'll get into it in Ross. There's a couple things. You can, you can attack the three high, three down with unbalanced sets. And the best and easiest unbalanced set for every offense is essentially your three-by-one set. Remember I told you Texas is being attacked by a lot of three-by-one sets, trips on one side, uh, single receiver to the other side, and it really stresses the three high, and it, it forces them to be a little bit out of balance and also to show their hand. Uh, yep. When you stress them like that, they can't afford to keep their pre-snap shell disguise. they right. got to show a little something, uh, whether they're little in, tease. Yeah, whether they're in man yep. or whether they're in cover three or cover four. It almost forces one of those back five, back seven defenders will, <clears throat> will show you their responsibility. They'll have to. And I think that's part of why. And that's why Sark also, uh, something else that stresses the three high, three down look is for formations into the boundary. Remember, Texas actually scored uh, with a formation into the boundary play in the K-State game. It was a pitch to Bijan into the boundary, which is weird and freaky anyway, right? right. Pitching to the boundary. It's like, man, why are you pitching to the boundary? Well, the the reason it, it, it really stresses out the three high, three down defense is because you're either forced to – you put num- basically go formation to the boundary, which means you got numbers in the boundary, right? Or, and you force the defense to make the decision, are you going to defend these numbers to the boundary? Right. Or are you going to defend that space to the field? you got to defend one of them. And if you give me all this space in the field, I'll take it all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. And what Sark would do is he used a misdirection that way. So if you don't defend the field, he'll bring back a Keelan Robinson that way on a misdirection then, or something. Whoop. And boom, it's like, oh, you got to deal with full three speed with a lead blocker, Jay Witt, in the open field. That's why we need to continue right? to so give it the it, short pattern. Yeah, so he, so that's why the formation to the boundary also works against the uh, three high, three down look because that three high, three down look, they would have to try to adjust to the numbers and the formation and the boundary. And when they do that, they're going to leave a lot of open space in the field. And if they try to defend the field, great. That means yep. you got numbers in the boundary. Defend the field. Go ahead. <laughs> I got numbers in the boundary. You got to defend one of them. You can't choose both. Yep. You can't defend the field with all your uh, resources and also defend numbers in the boundary. And that's and Sark's making them make the uh, forcing them to make that choice with some of his uh, three by one unbalanced sets, which he's using a lot of against these three high looks, but also uh, formation into the boundary, which is helping him out a lot too. Yeah, there's a lot he's going on. Yeah, he's going to figure it out. And I know we're going to continue this conversation, but let me talk to you about my friends over at All Stat Beer. Football is here, and there's a 
lot going on. You got Friday night lights, but most importantly, you got Saturday night lights because everybody's going to get excited. What better way to kick off your weekend than picking up some Allstat beer? That's right. Allstat beer brewed right here in Fredericksburg, right in the heart of the Texas Hill Country. They got that beautiful state-of-the-art brewery. They have all types of flavors for you to enjoy. You can go out there and get part of that tap room. You can enjoy the fine dining restaurant, but most importantly, you can sample in that tap room. That uh, Allstat Lager just won gold for the second time. That's one of my favorites. I also love the light. So try it out for yourself. Go to AllstatBeer.com and you can find a local watering hole near you where you can enjoy, enjoy some or where you can pick some up. We were at Randall's yesterday. My man Ken bought me some and I enjoyed some when I got home. Make Allstat your beer of choice. Allstat Beer. No impurities. No regrets. All right. Uh, getting back to the Texas TCU discussion here. Um, you know, one of the things also I think is really, uh, really stands out to me, I think it's going to be a really big factor in this matchup, is Texas' defensive front. Um, Texas' defensive front, I think, could win the game for him. Yeah. I think when we look back at a Texas victory over TCU, I believe we're going to be looking back and talking about how formidable and how effective Texas' defensive front was. And I, I went back and looked at the – uh, some of the numbers from the uh, Texas rush defense. And, you know, not only did they not allowed a 100-yard rusher all year, you brought that up before mm-hmm. the last game, and I think right. you brought it up because you thought, hey, you know what, Deuce Vaughn, yeah, Adrian might Martinez, be an opportunity it might here. be an opportunity yeah. for them to, you know, uh, exploit Texas in the running game and maybe Texas will give up a 100-yard rusher. They did not. Yep. They actually held K-State to their second uh, lowest rushing output of the season. But how about this? And I got this little number from uh, Hook'em Headlines, so shout-out to them. Texas has, based on pro football focus grades, the top two of three. They have the top two and then three of the top five, I should say. So they have the top two and three of the top five highest graded Big 12 interior D linemen in rush defense. Moro mm. Ojimo is number one. Byron Murphy is number two. Tavondre Sweat is number five. They don't even mention Keandre Coburn. And we all agree, eye test-wise, yep. he's been the most disruptive of all mm-hmm. the D-linemen, especially when it comes to putting pressure on the opposing quarterback. So he's been great. So you're talking about the best and the deepest interior D-line in the Big 12. And one of the things that's unique about the, the TCU running game, it is a formidable running game, Harsh uh, talked about in Harsh Knock Life. It's a really good running game. They have the ability, a unique ability, to take defenders out of the box. And they do this with the alignment and formation. All right, so formationally and with the alignment, they take defenders out of the box. So they'll go wide alignments with the receivers, bunch sets with the receivers, and then you got to defend all that space out there. So you take guys out of the box to do it. The formations are sometimes pretty obtuse and freaky, so they take defenders out of the box. And with their personnel, all right, whether it be two back sets or 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, they displace good run defenders with bad ones, Harge. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. They put DBs in there getting blocked by running backs and tight ends, and then they got Max Duggan averaging almost eight yards per rush on design runs. But this is why Texas has a real shot, because they've been killing everybody in the Big 12 running against what we call light boxes. A light box is when you have fewer defenders than they have blockers. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, Cardi B size, uh, Beyonce size, making the stallion size, upgrading here, size but is Texas actually can match up hard with a light box because they have such deep 
uh, interior depth on the yep. defensive line. And those guys are impactful and disruptive. They go five deep, potentially starters, on the defensive line in the interior. If they can win up front, win their one-on-one to the point where they demand double teams, Harge, Texas is going to be able to neutralize, not stop it because that's a good damn team over there, right? They own scholarship too. Neutralize their running game. Force them to march the length of the field. If you can do that, neutralize that, that case they run again with a light box, you can devote and allocate resources to the pass defense when you're really going to need it. Yeah. And Texas, actually, I'm telling you, nobody in the Big 12 matches up better with TCU's run game than Texas. You got Jalen Ford, yep. best run-stopping linebacker in the Big 12, with the best run-stopping interior D-line in the Big 12. That's why you can stop it with a light box. I suggest they do it versus Oklahoma State. They might have won that game. They didn't. This is the game you're going to be forced to do it, but you can roll up against TCU, I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's their saving grace. That's going to have to be, right? That, that's it. You're going to have to – listen, nobody else can really hold up with those light boxes because you know they don't have the interior D-line depth. Texas does. You got guys that are going to play on Sundays on that interior D-line right yes. there. And that, to me, has got to be the way you win. And you got to be able to use the rest of your resources to stop the passing game because that's where Duggan's going to try to hurt you. I'll talk about it in Rod's round today, but that's where the game will be won and lost. Explosive plays. Bill Walsh's favorite stat, cumulative stat, was explosive play margin. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit because I think that's going to be a big part of uh, the game plan for TCU. Especially because TCU has so many explosive plays. Oh, man. They, they lead the country. Yep. All right, in touchdowns of 20 plus yards. Just so you know. 48% of their touchdowns have come via 20 plus yards. 20 plus. We'll talk about why that's the key to success for Texas on the other side. All right, we'll mm-hmm. get into that. More Texas TCU breakdown right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 Now the Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day. Uh, we've been, man, hitting this thing from every different angle. We've slapped it up, flipped it, and rubbed it down, this Texas TCU oh, matchup. No. <laughs> um, so I just want to go over a couple of things that we've uh, talked about that could that would be crucial factors in this game, but also a couple of uh, new, at least some uh, enlightening uh, factoids and stats and factors that also could end up affecting uh, Texas and TCU in this matchup, hopefully uh, advantageous to Texas. All right, so we talked about the light boxes, talked about the last segment. That's what TCU does really well, force you to play them with a light box. Light box means fewer defenders than blockers. The reason that's not really doom and gloom for Texas, Texas has – three of the top five highest-graded interior defensive linemen uh, for rush defense in the Big 12. The highest-graded uh, run-defending interior D-linemen in the Big 12, I believe, because of guys like Ojimo, Byron Murphy, Tamandre Sweat, Keandre Colburn, you actually can stack up, all right, in uh, the middle of your defense, uh, kind of that central nervous system of your defense, with a light box. Those guys just have to win one-on-ones consistently. Um, and Jalen Ford has to have, and he has been having, <laughs> the season of his life. He's got to have a great game um, because there will be a lot of burden on his shoulders. But Texas, who has not a 100-yard rusher all year long and does have arguably one of the best rush defenses in the country, that's going to be key. Got to be able to win with a light box because they're going to stress you with alignment uh, and with formation, but you still got to be able to win inside. Explosive plays. We talked about this a ton. Uh, Bill Walsh famously in his Finding the Winning Edge, great book. 
he famously said that the team that wins the explosive play margin by more than two plays wins the game 80 to 85 percent of the time. Uh, TCU is all about the explosive play margin. Matter of fact, they have 48 percent of their touchdowns have come on plays of 20 or more yards from scrimmage. Uh, That is the highest such number of any uh, team in the country. Nobody scores off explosive plays more than TCU. That's the bad news for Texas because Texas has allowed, I think, 33 uh, plays via the passing game of 20-plus yards. Now, that's not great, I mean, but it's not the worst. Actually, TCU is much worse. TCU, only uh, Vanderbilt, West Virginia, West Virginia, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Ohio, and Charlotte have allowed more explosive pass plays uh, via the their pass defense than TCU. Now, for Texas, I went back and looked at these explosive pass plays and found out if there were any trends or any patterns that I could recognize. One thing to recognize, the three-by-one sets, trips of any nature, whether it be empty, three-by-two, three-by-one sets, or whether it be a pseudo-trips with twins with an offset back to the twin side, 70% of the plays where Texas allowed a 20-plus yard pass play, teams use trips, three-by-one, or a pseudo-trip set. You're going to see it versus TCU. You need to have a plan for it. Uh, the best plan is probably to go man on one side. If you trust, if you got Ryan Watts on, on one guy, maybe go man there. You can zone up the other side, but... That will be a concept Texas has to have a plan for. Uh, so that's explosive plays. You know that's going to be a huge factor. It might be the biggest factor in Texas. How many explosive plays can Texas get against that TCU secondary, which is, I believe, at this point ranked 100, uh, 90, 94th or 95th in the country, and the Texas pass defense, which is around 101st. All right. The, who, which one of those entities is worse could probably determine who wins this game. Texas second-half scoring. We've talked about it ad nauseum. I'm sure at this point people are annoyed, but I believe Texas, since the Oklahoma game, has only scored one touchdown in the second half. All right, think about that. Let that soak in for a second. Um, And you start looking at it, three points in the last two second halves in back-to-back games. It's clearly something that's been happening for a long time. You guys know my theory on it. I've had this theory since last year. I truly believe that, you know, Sark's offense is just a gumbo and assemblage of different cheat codes and uh, (laughs) conceptual signatures and force multipliers. And I have observed that in the second half, he is using less or fewer of those conceptual signatures uh, uh, compared to the first half. And I looked at it in uh, the Take the K-State game, even though they won it. You had fewer empty sets in the second half, less pre-snap motion in the second half, less targets to motion, fewer multi-back sets, fewer 6-0 line packages, fewer RPOs, uh, fewer deep shots downfield. The only concepts I found higher rates of in the second half compared to the first, play-action pass and bunched and condensed sets. I My suggestion would be do more of everything that works. Play the hits, too. <laughs> uh, you know, play the hits. If, if, if something worked in the first half, don't let it become an outlier. Use it again. Dress it up in a different por- uh, personnel package or formation and run it again. Have Gary Patterson reverse engineer the game plan so you can come up and anticipate those adjustments and have creative counters ready to go. That's the way to do it. Have Brennan Marion or Kyle Flood call the script, which is already scripted and you already know it. You've been practicing it all week so that you can start the second half game plan. But you can get a head start on it once you can see how the defense is trying to exploit you whatever Sark's got to do if they only score three points in the second half of this game versus TCU they will lose right it it's don't just, matter it don't matter right you're gonna lose if you yeah. only score three points you're gonna lose that game I think we all know that um TCU I guarantee you is also going to try to exploit 
the middle of the field. I've been talking about that all year long. Texas has to have a plan for the middle of the field. Zero to 19 yards. All right, zero to 19 yards in between those numbers. And, you know, for some reason, Texas really hasn't been able to figure out exactly how to defend that area of the field. Could be linebackers dropping, um, you know, obviously un- with undisciplined drops. Uh, could just be they're getting sucked into the, the run game. Uh, I think the defensive backs need to have more inside leverage to help out the linebackers. Uh, but in the last three weeks, um, teams are completing 74% of their passes. Zero to 19 yards between the numbers. Uh, five touchdowns. Do got two interceptions, but they're averaging 11 yards per attempt. Uh, that's, just a, that's a big chunk yardage number. Mm-hmm. And, and nearly 59% of all Texas passing yards this season they've allowed have come right there in that sweet spot. Zero mm-hmm. to 19 yards in between the numbers. Got to figure that out. And also, inside leverage. Get inside leverage, please, defensive backs. Because if not, they're going to hurt you all day, every day with the angle routes, slants, posts, in routes and the glance route. Last three games, those specific routes, when targeted, teams are completing 72% of their passes, targeting those routes for 13 yards per attempt. 13 yards per attempt. Mm, All right? Mm, mm. 62% first down touchdown rate, 41% explosive play rate. That means 41% of the time they get a 15-yard playoff of it. Boom. When they throw to those routes. Yep. God, you got to clean that up against TCU. Otherwise... You're not going to pull off the big win. I can't say upset because Texas is actually his favorite in this game. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I, those are, I think, some of the things that I think are really going to be a determining factor. We talked about the three high, three down defense earlier, too. Sark's teams only averaging 26.5 points versus teams that major and minor in the three high, three down, like TCU. But recently, 34 points uh, versus K-State, 34 versus Oklahoma State, 49 versus Oklahoma, only, what, 24 versus Iowa State or whatever. But he's he, he's starting to figure some things out. I, I can tell watching the film that Sark's starting to figure some things out. He hasn't, because he hasn't actually, as a, a play caller, called plays against a three high, three down that very often. Right. And I think he's starting to figure out now some of the the things that are working. Remember I told you earlier in the K-State game, he used a lot of a lot of concepts. I think you'll see in this game, you'll see formation into the boundary. And you're like, "Well, why is formation to the boundary work? What's the big deal with that?" Well, formation into the boundary forces that three high three down three down defense to either allocate resources and defenders to defend the number in the, the numbers uh, battle in the boundary or defend that space in the field. And they got to choose one. Yeah. And whatever they choose, Sark can go the other way and make them choose poorly. Uh, three by one sets are unbal- and unbalanced sets. They also put a lot of stress on three high defenses, forcing them to reveal what their coverage is. They can't hold that pre-snap disguise when you stress them that much. Um, also, reductions, minus splits, um, condensed sets, bunch formations, which Sark already likes. Yeah. But here's the key, guys. I think I found something. As to remember, I've probably found what Sark found. I just looking at Sark. The 12 personnel package, true 12, one back, two tight ends. Remember, I told you Sark has played the three high, three down defenses in four straight games Oklahoma, o- uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma State uses it too, uh, K State as well. Right? Yep. You got all these teams that's, that use some of those concepts. And what he has really upped the volume of, or at least the productivity of his 12 personnel. True, just true 12. I went and looked at the last three weeks. All right, Texas and 12 personnel. Um, they're averaging, and they got, these are all against three high three down defenses. Seven yards per rush in true 12 personnel. Seven yards per rush. Am I making that up? That's a real number. That's a big number. That's a big number. That's a huge number. And what does it do? Well, think about it. 
the the three out three down defense, <clears throat> they lure you into a false insecurity of running the ball, right? They distort the numbers. You think you have the numbers advantage in the box, but you don't because they're slinging run fix, right. right? And they have what? They have hybrid players, right? A lot of these guys are hybrid players, uh, so they some of them can be seen as undersized defenders at times. Texas running true 12 personnel with the best tight end in the conference. That's key. Because now you cannot assume that Texas two tight ends are just there to block for the run. Right. You better have a DB on Jatavion Sanders at all times. And and strictly He's play, be accounted for. Strictly playing the pass. Yep. And by the way, now we know Jatavion can block. I do think the key has been Jatavion's development and evolution as a tight end. And most I went, improved. Yeah, exactly. Right. Most, most improved. improved. Yep. And I went back and started looking at even the, you know, you start looking at even that, uh, that Oklahoma game, right? Where Texas played a lot of 12 personnel in Oklahoma game. You know, I went back and looked at it. Texas in that game, I know Oklahoma's, and they were basically a bunch of wet toilet paper on defense at the time. You had a 42% explosive play rate out of 12 personnel yeah. of, against Oklahoma. So if I take your explosive, if I take they were, <laughs> if I take your explosive play rate out of one back two tight ends in the last four weeks, all against teams who major or minor in a three high three down, you have a thirty percent explosive play rate. Thirty percent of your plays have ended up in being explosive plays mm. out of that twelve personnel, and I think that's what he's found. I think he's found a package that he can trust that can run the football effectively, but also. He can throw it out of that 12 personnel package because you got Bijan on the field, still got your two top receivers in X-Men and Jay Witt, and you got your third receiver in JT Sanders. I like it. And essentially, like it. Gunner Helm is not just a re- – but it's not Gunner Helm. It's really – and I, I would say I'll give props to Jaleel Billingsley. The package really took off when he was available. Right, because he yeah. wasn't available all season. He got no, available four, right. What he four game suspension at the end. Yeah, it was like year. four or five. So he yeah. he didn't really get into six the groove. Game. Yeah, I think to, to like game. Oklahoma game. Yep. Right, was yep. Oklahoma game right after? Game? Right after that. Yep. And that's when this package took off too. So I'm telling you guys, I you expect to see Texas run a lot of twelve personnel in this game, but it's their success rate in twelve personnel. And this year, Texas running true twelve, one back, two tight ends, not the six zero line package. Around twenty four percent of the time last year it was forty percent. But last year, you didn't have tight ends like this. Right. And now you're running it less, but he's running a lot more multi-tailback sets, too. Uh, I think around you run multi-back sets around 17% of the time. You got true 12, one-back, two tight ends around 24% of the time. 16% of the time, you're running your 6-0 line package, and you're, prob- and you're running your 11 personnel around 42% of the time. But your most explosive and your most productive personnel group right now is 12 personnel. You're averaging almost eight yards per play mm. right now out of 12 personnel. That's a big number, man. So I'm telling you, I think 12 personnel is what he's found. That that's is a his, huge number. That's his key to attacking the three high, three down. Because he knows with 12, I can, go, I can go three by one. I can spread him out and go, yes. you know, JT Sanders at the number one wide receiver spot. It's just like a wide receiver. That's what he thinks he is anyway. Yeah, I can put trips <laughs> out there with those guys. I can yeah. go nub tight end, put him on the nub side, go trips to the other side. I like it. All right, and then that's what they did against K State. They yes, put him on the nub side, and then they decide, all right, you know what? If he's on the nub side, then we don't have to uh, we don't have to basically keep our outside leverage on him. I don't know why they don't do that, um, but then that's why he ends up with all that space to run that deep seven route. So I think Sark is like scheming up things now for JT Sanders in that package, and I think twelve personnel is probably the key to them beating TCU and controlling the game. 
Don't try to go deep. Uh, 12 personnel. <laughs> yeah. You can do a lot more with 12 personnel than you go deep. You're right about that. All right, we come back. We'll get into some Texas basketball beating Houston Christian, putting an Old Testament, old biblical-style butt-whipping on them Christians. We'll talk about that on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, on 104.9 The Horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is 512 Friday. We play jams from local bands and artists you can hear live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Igniter, and they are playing Saturday at Come and Take It Live. Oh, I know what that is. Yeah, I've been there before. Come and take it live, baby. Uh, all right. Uh, I think we all went to Come we and Take all It Live. That's one of our first field trips as a, yeah. as a show. As a show, that's so, right. Check out my man Patrick at Come and Take It Live. Uh, all right, you can go to hornfm.com if you missed any part of the uh, suggestions from my man Patrick about 512 Friday. No need to stress. He's got them up there for you on the website. Go to hornfm.com, and you can find out uh, where all the action is this weekend. Well, a lot of the action is going to be with <laughs> us on Bevo Boulevard. Yes, sir. Uh, matter of fact, we'll start up our pregame festivities at 230 uh, Bevo Boulevard, Gate 2 is where we'll be. That's right. Uh, hard, hardball Harge and my man uh, E. Hogan and, of course, myself will be down there. Uh, Patrick, are you working this weekend? I will not be. Oh, okay. I will not be down there so this So I just weekend. called you out on the radio. Yeah. Too. Hey, that was hey, probably man. not cool at all. Hey, it's I all good. Right. I, I'm sure I'll be doing work somewhere for the uh, station. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I figured that. I was, I was like, you're probably not down with us this weekend. But I'm trying, I try to not have to be places. Oh, I agree. No, I you, got you. You, you got to be placed multiple places every day, and we yeah. appreciate it. What, so. do you, what, what, what does Rod say? The hardest working man. Hey, we don't know what he's paid. <laughs> but we know he's, he's underpaid. underpaid. <laughs> we do know that. Right. Uh, all right. Based on Texas basketball's performance, oh, we get my man Patrick's great That's segue right. because he was there. He got a chance to see it up close and personal. Okay, 82-31 beatdown, Patrick. What did you take from the performance for Texas basketball? So this was definitely uh, the best defensive performance. Uh, now, they were they were clearly – Houston Christian was just outmatched. Mm. Like, it was not very close. The beginning of the game – they had one shot hit the rim in the first five minutes of the game. What? Yeah. So it, they it had six awful. turnovers. They had uh, wow. an air ball, one off the backboard, and one blocked. So it got out of hand quickly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just quickly. But it was basically they they started, they weren't really protecting the ball, and Texas just kept taking it away from them and going back down to the other end. Uh, there's still some issues. Gonzaga's playing right now on a boat, so we, we can't really judge <laughs> what they're going to be doing there. Yeah. But – you still saw they, the rebounding was a lot better for Texas. So that was one of the problems they had in game one. Yeah, 56 rebounds. Was the rebounding was there. Dylan Mitchell was a beast on the rebounds. He had 10 rebounds man. in the first half. He's athletic freak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was just attacking the rim. So that's going to be very necessary. But they still could not hit a three to save their life. Can't buy one. all. Two games. So a small sample size, but were they 7 to 36 now? Yeah, and well, and those are garbage threes that they were hitting. Like that was oh the ones they did yeah the ones that they actually did hit yeah yeah the ones they hit were at the end of the game and it was the guys from the end of the bench getting shots up but they just could not buy one the free throw shooting was still not great so there's still some struggles there offensively that they're going to have to start figuring out they were doing a lot better job of getting to the bucket though Mm -hmm. is they were missing then get an offensive rebound miss again offensive rebound miss again offensive rebound and then someone just go oh why don't we just lay it up like they can't <laughs> why we stand, it back out <laughs> yeah they, can, they can't stand in front of us we'll just go so yeah it was uh there was a lot of good to see out of it because that defense looked really really good yeah uh it's just going to be now the question is when you go up against a much more experienced bigger team in gonzaga 
uh, if you're still going to be able to get that off that rebounding side and if you're able to stay in the defensive edge that yeah. well. Yeah, man, the three-point shooting, I guess, is a concern, but small sample size. But, man, you shoot that bad against Zags from three-point range. Could yeah, be, that's a problem. Could be a problem. Oh, you could run out of there. Yeah, yeah. Because they're not going to be on a tanker. Playing basketball. <laughs> like they're playing on a tanker right now. I'm watching them play oh, Michigan yeah? State okay. right now. Okay. And they're playing outside. They're going to be inside ready to play some hoops. Hey, but that, so. that Moody Center, I mean, that was there was less people there today than there were the last two games. Yeah. And it was still loud on the court. Yeah. You still get it up. It was funny. There was a part they do Thunderstruck and they get the lights going in the arena and everything. And it's really loud and going. And. <laughs> <laughs> ref Ray Natilli, who is a guy who can get angry very quickly. All the time. <laughs> uh, he walks over, they go to inbound the ball, and they don't cut the song. And so he just starts, he just sees his face get red, and he's looking over the table like, cut the song! Cut the song! <laughs> and so they, they finally cut it by the time the team gets up to half court, but he is livid and, like, yelling at the table. Like, wow. you can't do it. There was no music for the rest of the game, like, played oh, really? in between, uh, between dead balls. Oh, Because man. he was so mad. He just, just basically. Like, he called a timeout basically to walk over there to go yell and at them somewhere. Him. Wow. Yeah. To be like, whose fault was that? And they're like, yeah, someone just didn't hit the butt. Like, someone <laughs> sleep on the trigger. It wasn't personal, ref. Yeah. Yeah, he like, took it but personal. But that was, yeah, it was fun because the team, it was just like the team's getting all riled up. Everyone's getting pumped. <laughs> yeah. The student section letting them have it. For, I mean, we were <laughs> Texas up 50 points playing against Houston Christian in the student section, still giving these players a hard time, which now you're on the court. Yeah. Like, they're right on them. And so there was a guy, uh, Basil, and they just kept chanting, we want Basil, because he wasn't able to score. <laughs> so they just kept chanting, we want Basil every time they come down on the, the offensive end. So the student section's going hard at them. That's it's going to be a really fun environment uh, on Wednesday. Can't uh, wait. Holly Rowe tweeted out, watch out. Holly Rowe was there, yeah. Uh, watch out college hoops. Texas men's basketball has a home court advantage now. Blown away by the new arena. Plus, the engaged student section is game-changing. She took pictures with mm-hmm. the people in George yesterday because it was Brock Cunningham night, basically. Yeah, he created George. George. Nice. He wanted like people that. in George. Yeah. <laughs> and so she, was, she took a picture with the, with the fan section that have been doing a really good job. Those are pretty much all the people that um, – uh, Chris Beard got yes, the corral. The corral. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's basically a horseshoe. So three quarters of the court is covered with students, and then we're on the one side that's not. So we're not as bad. Mm-hmm. Holly Rowe was on the other side, which is very much in it. So nice. Yeah. No, turn it, it up. Everybody who goes there says it is a true home court advantage. I guess we'll see on Wednesday. No doubt. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of Wednesday, fun. But we'll yeah, see. they got to figure out the shooting a little bit and. And figure out free throws. But other than that, yeah. there was a lot of positives. Serge Barry Rice looks really good. Very good. Uh, Tyrese Hunter, Hunter looks yeah. really good. Yeah. Marcus Carr started to get it going a little bit better, but he's yeah. still got to find his shot. But I think it just that's just going to come also with time in the new building. I don't know if it's necessarily just good shooting point. overall, but it's a brand-new building that they've probably practiced in 15 times now, 10, 15 times. That's a good yeah. point. So it's just hard to get that depth perception right where you get that home court of, yeah. hey, no, we know how to shit, hit threes here and you don't. That's how people always talk about the tournament, about the yep. depth perception, new yeah. arenas. You never Especially when you're kind of playing stuff. in a, a stadium. Like a big, yeah, 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 a huge venue. Or you're yeah. playing on a, a freaking ship. 
Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, like there's <laughs> shadows. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, no, so Texas basketball gets a huge win, but everybody knows Wednesday, uh, that'll be the big test versus the Zags, and everybody's really excited about that. All right, we come back. Uh, we got to wrap it up and put it in the oven. We got one more segment left, and we'll give you up to the flex on the other side, but on the other side, we'll talk some Cowboys, we'll talk some Texans, NFL preview, but then we'll get back to giving you some thoughts on Texas TCU. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lock on 104.9 The Horn.